I tell you, I am so very honored to be here. It is such a privilege to speak to you. And I told the Lord when I was going through this uh, little, about six, seven months that it took me to uh, walk all the way through it, basically. Well, it's still... There still is a cool part, uh, part two that you get to hear this year. If you came last year, you'd know not everything. But um, I told the Lord that I really wanted to be able to share this as I went forward. If he, you know, was going to be glorified in this, which I knew he would be, then I wanted to share that. So I'm just being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I'm just so appreciative of this big door. I thought I would maybe share it with a neighbor or, you know, someone down at the firehouse or something. But, uh, you know, and that's all good, which I have been doing one-on-one quite a bit. But to have this kind of a doorway, too, is wonderful. And, and I really pray that the online people can um, receive from me and um, just know that I'm a believer. I'm not a, a professional speaker or a traveling minister or something that I know of. But um, <laughs> yeah, until recently. But anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I am a believer. I know that I overcame this as a believer, not as a person that has the gift of faith or, um, and that's what's different about my testimony that I want to encourage many of you in. You may have had hands laid on you. You may have gone to several places to have hands laid on you. And, um, uh, that's, you know, I didn't, I, I was very full of faith already and full of good teaching. Thank you, Jesus. Good background, as you can tell from many years. Um, I taught at Rama. Did you catch that? I taught voice, and they're like two-year little Rama department. They allowed me to teach voice in there, but that put me under this authority. <laughs> God is so smart, you know. So it wasn't about my voice training. It was that I sat under Brother Hagen in a real way. And then I sat under Brother Oral Roberts in a real way. And I was under him as an instructor. He didn't know me. I didn't talk to him. Well, he doesn't know that I did speak to him a couple times, but he probably won't remember. I'll talk to him and have him remind him. But anyway, um, so, but there's something about that that I feel like God, um, you know, does these things so that I had this tremendous sense of the goodness of God already and, and a very strong sense and knowledge of his word on, on, you know, many things, especially my authority as a believer. And so when, um, what happens is that I'm just going my little merry way and um, uh, my father got into a lot of health issues and turned out to be the last little segment of his life. So I was very much focused on my dad. And I helped him go on to heaven, um, hands-on, close-up, and personal. And so that was what I was preoccupied with. But in the meantime, I noticed there was this little lump in the side of my breast. And I thought, well, that's, I'm sure nothing, but I'll have to check it out later. I mean, I'm kind of curious about it. But I decided, and every time I thought of it, I just thought, you're nothing. Remember that. And, uh, but anyhow, uh, the, fi- the time finally came just a month later after my dad was home to heaven that um, I went to the doctor. And so by the beginning of the summer of 2010, this is just a little ways back here, I was diagnosed with a uh, cancerous lump, they called it. And so the, the process all of a sudden was a whole new thing. And so you go from that place of feeling strong to like, huh? And all of a sudden you feel what it feels like to, you know, be threatened, which I had never been before. And I can certainly, I have a huge different value and viewpoint in my life since then. Uh, Not because I was threatened, but because of how the Lord took care of me through that threat. And so it is like looking down, you know, the barrel of a gun. It's how you feel day and night. And probably many of you can relate, but um, but it's a it's a it's it's the probably the strongest word for intimidation, and that's the, was the enemy's game. So um, what I'm going to share is a little bit of my my testimony, of course, uh, and I'll solve your curiosity how I got through it. But I also want to tell um, what I think is what what I think cancer is. And, what and how many in here have, been, have dealt with or are dealing with cancer right now? Just give me a hand. Not that many, but quite a few. Okay. And so um, uh, I think it might be also the same for disease. I'm not sure. But I know that the Lord gave me the answer for cancer. And I'm, I'm crazy enough to say it, even though I know this is going out on national or wherever levels. 
But uh, I think that um, the Holy Spirit is faithful and true. And he wants us to know some secrets. He wants us to know some good secrets. And I'm a secret digger. This is what I do all the time for a living. I'm always digging up secrets in terms of someone's voice. Many of you know I train voices and I'm, I'm gold digging inside of the person to find their whole voice and to present it to them and to let them use it. And so I'm kind of used to that road. So anyway, my testimony is that I'm diagnosed... And I knew from the start uh, that something about this was really unusual. And I, that just was not my usual, you know, it, the whole picture was very unusual. <clears throat> and uh, I had been in a zone where I live in New Jersey, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, people around me weren't the friendliest. It is, it, you people here are like all dropped out of heaven compared to the norm of what I'm dealing with and deal with. In my part of the country, maybe. We're getting better. I'm trying to give you a good confession. Okay. But anyway, it's, it's just not the friendliest. And I say that because when I went into this doctor's office, um, it was striking how dear, kind, sympathetic, gracious, verbal, friendly, helpful, supportive, these people all were. And I felt so loved. And um, I'm glad that I know the Lord as well as I do because I think I would have and knew the word as much as I do because I probably would have unknowingly started to really trust in these loving people. Selah. Okay. So um, I knew very quickly by the Holy Spirit, again, I just thank God I knew him as I do. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you don't have a lot of time with the Holy Spirit, you can get it really quick. God is so faithful. So I'm just telling you my side, but you can, you can be filled with the Spirit and know him, know the Holy Spirit. He is the deal. I will come back to him a lot in my testimony. So uh, they were very professional in my care as well. I had the best doctors. And when I told my very best friends, which were only, I only picked four uh, people that I dared trust. And one of them was my best friend and one was my pastor, who was a female at the time. Well, she's still a female, but. (laughs) 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 Who is uh, my pat? Well, never mind. So. Out east, you'd have to sometimes clear that up. Okay. So anyway, um, so the, these family and friends were really thrilled at my report concerning, you know, they were devastated that I have cancer. They're terribly worried for me. They all love me desperately. I know they love me. And I'm just trying to get you to relate, okay? And so, but then they're saying, oh my gosh, that has to be God that you got into, that you even got in there. And I got in for basically free. I walked into this program that they have for breast cancer with women, and it was a study, so I didn't pay for any health care. So there again was another carte blanche, must be God. Woo! That's God. And I say it is God, but there's a but to it. And so, and then you have all these kind doctors. I found out that my, my particular uh, main cancer specialist that was working with me was top of the hill. I mean, she is flat out a tremendous, smart, very highly accredited doctor. I couldn't have hunted down a doctor. And I never have used a doctor. I don't even go to the doctor ever. So I'm going from zero knowledge of doctors to deep doctorhood. And so I'm really, you know, uh, and so my sister, I have a sister who's deep into the sciences. I'm in, I'm in the arts and she's in the sciences. But anyway, She's Googling and she finds out all kinds of stuff about these doctors I have. I'm giving her the name. She's like, oh my gosh, she's really blah, 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 blah. She's major. So I should feel very, very grateful. All this I'm saying for a reason. Um, Because of the compassionate concern and so forth. But what the Lord, what the Holy Spirit tipped me off is sympathy, care, concern, hard work love from others, that's not going to heal me. So it had to stay in its place. It's, it's appreciated. You know, it'd be a lot harder if everybody said, and, you know, you got cancer, and, well, 
you know, oh no, they were good. They were nice. They were, they were caring and loving and excellent at their job. But I had to make sure I didn't put my trust in that. Selah. Really reel it in for a minute because you, on TV, every single night across this United States of America, especially around the main times that we're watching TV, news times and high, high volume times, the commercials are not about cars, they're not about clothing, not about makeup or panty shields. <laughs> they're about doctors and hospitals and diseases and, and medications that you can, you know, your left arm and leg will fall off, but you should get it right away. <laughs> and they sell it and sell it and sell it. And when you're watching TV and you don't feel good, and uh, this stuff, you know, and they always make the commercials sound so, you know, like, there's still hope in this. There's, at least you're not, you know, at least you're not going to die of what you got. You'll die of something else, but you're not going to die of that, you know. I'm just saying that we have somehow... In our country, this is my observation by the Holy Spirit. I'll just keep it here, okay? You don't have to buy this. But it's my observation as the Holy Spirit helps me to see that we've gone from someplace where science really discovered the cure for polio or something that really benefited society a few decades back to a place of what I'm calling a totally anti-God worship doctor society. And you have to be careful if you're going to get a healing, what kind of reel of thinking is all wrapped up in your estimation of God and his work and what he did to give you a healing? Because that's not on the TV. Not even a hint. There is no clue about it. And so I, my beautiful doctor, I don't know if I should use her name, so I won't, but I really, really appreciate her. If she ever sees this, she knows who she is. But anyway, um, one of the first things I did was ask her, and this was again led of the Holy Spirit, where she was coming from in terms of her faith. I said, do you consider yourself a Christian? Because I told her I was a Christian and I was going to be approaching this in my faith. And she sort of looked at me and she said, I'd say, oh, I didn't say, she said, I'd say I fall in the category of Christian. But, you know, what I took was love. I was taking love into this picture. I wasn't trying to judge her. I was trying to connect with her, if I possibly could, and locate her a little bit. And I told her, Karen, I'll I'll use her first name, I'm going to be praying for you. As she left the room, she turned around and looked at me so long. I know she took that right in. I don't think anybody ever said that to her before. So that's a major player. God was like, that was good, Linda. (laughs) two points for the God team because that comes back and it just you put things in motion is what I'm trying to say you're putting pieces and things words into motion right from the get-go and if you've said some bad words just call a crop failure over it and start putting out some better words and you're going to have to use your gut you're going to have to have guts boldness to not come in and say, now see here, Romans says, blah, 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 you know, whatever. I mean, I doubt the Holy Spirit will tell you to say that, but you can begin to, uh, you know, find a place where you're going to have a testimony out of this, right? So lay the groundwork. And, and believe me, the angels and all the demons are all watching to see what you're doing. All right. I pray I got that over to you. Um, so I had to use my faith in God and I had to find now, my job was to find the scriptures that convinced me beyond any shadowy doubt. And that's where, uh, my, my deal was. I did have questions. I realized as I was standing on the word, I realized little thoughts were coming up think, and they were not allowing me to completely be convinced of the word of God. And it's on a very, very subtle level. I never paid attention on that level before. And I've always really loved God. The day I got saved is I've been running 100 miles an hour ever since for God. I never had a, a, a time where I wasn't pressing into God. I haven't had a whole bout with sin or, you know, had an affair with somebody or whatever. This is not what I'm about at all. And so, you know, 
I don't know why the devil kind of picks on strong people. But, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, an addict or something. But anyway. And so, anyway, I, I had to really dig on these scriptures. And I, I did only know of certain resources that are long trusted to me. And I went to those resources. But I began to stand on the likes of Psalm 103. How many know what I'm talking about, Psalm 103? And you can write it down if you don't. Psalm 91. And if you just get three of these down in your gut, you, you can get one down in your gut and defeat the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's right. You can get saved on a, on a half a, you know, half a scripture. You can get healed on the same. Amen. This is not hard to get healed. It isn't. In fact, there are a lot of ways to get healed. But you can't have roaming around in there a lot of doubt and unbelief at the same time. And so you have to be scrutinizing with your thoughts. The Bible says to do that. And it says to take those thoughts and cast them down as vain imaginations. If this gets really crazy someplace, let me know. I'll fix it. Um, And so you have to uh, take every thought. Every? Every. So, you know, take that time when you're in your uh, secret place. Does everybody go to a secret place? Who here doesn't know what a secret place is? I'll quick explain what's a secret place. Who does not know? Okay. A couple of little hearts. You have to have a place. I tell people when in voice training, you have to have a place where you can practice, where you think nobody's around. They're not going to see you or hear you. Now, they may, but you have to feel that they don't. So that's usually your garage or your cellar. Okay, so it's the secret place is where you can go and be private with God. And you're going to get down to business. You take this thing and never go without it. You start here. You don't start in all your problems. You start with this here. And you start digging on the word. And one word will lead you to another place. And you just travel in here and you you slow down. You have to slow down. Now, I think it's Maria Woodruff Edder, somebody famous from the past, had a lot of children, whoever that was, I think seven or nine children. She used to throw her apron over her head and just pray inside of her apron. And the kids knew, do not bother mother at this time. Brother Hagen used to have a shed out back, Papa Hagen and uh, Kenneth E. Hagen, and he would tell his wife, you know, no calls, no interruptions, nothing. I'll be in there till I'm done getting my questions answered. And he would take the book and work it through, and, you know, that's why he had that pure stuff. It's not that he was so special. We're all just as special. You just do the same thing. All Brother Hagen was trying to do is save you 40 years. He's trying to tell you, you know, you don't have to wait so long as I did. So I, I, I took him up on it. <laughs> I took him up. I got mine down to six months. <laughs> That's better. Okay, so praise you, Lord Jesus. I'm moving right along here. Karen. She's no one. Um, at one point tells me that when I'm coming in and out of the office over the summer and stuff, and I'm each time, you know, usually, I'd always heard that. Oh, Karen's there. You have to have surgery right now. Run her down to the hospital. Have, you know, open something and get it out of there. Because it was always like early detection will save your life. And months were going by and, and nobody was, you know, making any moves about, you know, surgery or anything. And I was like, good, because I wanted to get a hold of this better. I still didn't have my confidence. I felt like when I was speaking my scriptures, now check this out. I felt like I'm speaking into a really big hailstorm. It didn't feel powerful. But to my joy, I'm not, I just spoke it anyway, but I felt like, whew, man, am I ever a wimp. It's like weightlifting, and you find you can't even lift five pounds. And, but uh, I was doing more than I thought, and I was staying with it. And in, and in just a few weeks, I could see that I was really somewhere. It was just periodically I could get a little glimpse that I was moving up. And so it was with the, with the case. So anyhow, I go to see my doctor, and she describes to me, she goes, well, Linda, here's the thing. You know, we, we hate to have to take undue measures with you. We know that you don't really love all this. But um, you're, the cancer cells that we're dealing with with you are good and bad. Because the good part is they're not all the same. And they're, they're very, they're very uh, potent, though. They're high-grade. But they're not all the same. And usually with cancer, there's a bunch of them, and they kind of all match each other. And then they, they become like a little gang, a little uh, bullies. And they, 
um, they, they start you know, beating up more and more other cells and invading, and that's how they get their way, at least if I understood that right. But when she said, hi, great, she says, the trouble with you is your cancer, the cancer cells you have, which I'm not going to ever call them mine, but anyway, they never were, um, are high grade. And so she says, that's why we want to be pretty pretty strong. So that's why I want you to do the whole nine yards. And I mean, I could tell they were after, you know, maiming, burning, fire hose, you know, whatever, (laughs) everything, double mastectomy, everything over a little tiny lump. Not even hardly, you know. And so, anyhow, but when she said high-grade cells, the Lord said to me, I'll tell you about that when you leave the room. <laughs> so as soon as I got outside the room, I, I, and I was, you know, because you can't, just right there, Park. When you're in doctor's offices and hospitals, it is very hard to get a picture of what God's asking you to do or to sense what is right from wrong, you know, you, because they, that atmosphere is so powerful and so strong. It's like being in a stronghold. You go behind many closed doors, you know, you, you have to take off your outfit and put on their little deal, all that stuff. And it's just the same in the spirit realm. Like you have to get back out of there and get on your turf, your quiet place, your, your resting place, your secret place and find out what God's saying to you about what they said. So anyway, they, usually they would blow me away. I'd be like, okay, bye. You know, whew, whatever. And so, but, uh, so she, when she said that, the Lord told me after I left there that that was a secret for me. And he, that's where the answer to cancer eventually became real to me. So um, it, she said to me also, it takes millions of cancer cells to make a lump. I was like, really? And she says, yeah, and it can be a long, long time. They could have started, you know, a long time back. Something's going on in your body, and you just don't know it, and eventually it makes a lump. And I was like, oh. So anyhow, the Lord told me that those are, he explained to me, those are thoughts, and they're toxic thoughts, and they're thoughts that happen over and over and over. They're at random times, maybe while you're sleeping, a couple of thoughts come through, you know, when you get up to in the middle of the night, maybe you have to get up for a minute or something, get a drink of water or something. And doop, some thought will come through, you know. And uh, for me, I, I, the, the Lord was like, he put the light right on it. I knew exactly what some of those thoughts were. And uh, right away, I could start to dismantle some of them. And along the way, he showed me others. And so I was busy killing off cancer cells. And I told my doctor, I'm working on the inside out. I got a deal for you. You work from the outside in. I'll meet you somewhere. Because <laughs> I figure, depending on how much I'm moving, you know, and she wasn't moving that fast, I figure maybe I can get this so that she stays on the outside of my body. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so... <laughs> Uh, and that's pretty much what happened. It turned out that uh, they really wanted to take lymph nodes, which is a standard procedure, and they have to check. And I asked the Lord, do they need to take my lymph nodes? I mean, that's my only little armpit. I don't prefer them to go in there. And so the Lord said, you know, you're healed. And I knew that I was healed. In fact, one of the things the Holy Spirit told me to do was to watch the Copelands, who are my parents. They just don't know it yet, but they are my parents. <laughs> And um, I keep getting closer and closer to them. The, the last uh, meeting I was in, the Copelands happened to be there. And I'm telling you, they sat probably right where you are. That's how close I was to them. And as I, my parents went to heaven, they seemed even the more closer. They looked like my parents if they were spirit-filled. It, they looked just like them. And so it's so funny to me. But anyway, I really, 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 really can receive from the Copelands because I've been following that ministry for so long. And... Um, and so, but now I have a new thing. I tell you, between Brother Hagen and Copeland, that's how I got through this. But now I do have a new, and I'm very particular. So as you can see, I mean, I've known the Lord a long time, but I now have Andrew Womack in my artillery. Yeah. He's in. So I've been just devouring what's online, and I'm amazed at the testimonies and uh, the teaching. And, of course, this is really fortified for me through my, who I consider Daniel, not only a close, close friend, but a pastor. He's a pastor figure over my life. 
And so there's this cool thing. Okay. Hmm. I forgot what I was talking about. All right. Oh, yeah. I was going from, so, yeah, I'm going to meet her. So I'm doing my work to annihilate cells. So I'm just going to start reading some of this here so that I, I make sense and I'm going to get to my, my place here. I had to stand up for myself and I had to explain to her that, that thing. It's, again, I had to stand up for myself because they definitely wanted me to do things their way. And so I had to really pray and say, I'm going to do it, I think. I'll let you know. And so eventually the Lord was like, you don't have to do it. I'll be with you if you do do it. And he's very compassionate. And so I said, I feel like I'll come out of it okay. You know, I don't think they're going to miss something. And whoosh, there goes the arm. But, you know. So I went ahead and let them take five sentinel lymph nodes. That's what they take, these major lymph nodes, and check them out. And, of course, they were clear. They're, that's how they find out if the cancer has gone maybe someplace else. So that was a big, good report. And so I thought we were all well and good. And I basically continued from there. Oh, the Copelands came in because that camp, that camp meeting, their um, Southwest Believers Convention was in August, the first week of August that year. And on Saturday is their healing school with Gloria and Ken. And they nailed it. And the Lord told me, watch that. So I was all week on, online. And I didn't let a single minute of that go by. I was like, I might as well have been there in a hotel because I didn't do anything else. And, and you do have to shut things down. You have to shut things down and get your mind on this because your mind is what the problem is. And so by, by Saturday, I had received my healing. So I was done with this whole problem as of August. I was officially done with it. But they're not saying any good report. And I always heard for, for healings that you should be able to say, and they came out and said, praise the Lord, we don't see any cancer anymore, you know, or something like that. Some kind of testimony or a good report. So I kept kind of going. I thought after they take those lymph nodes, they're going to see, and then they'll tell me, uh, you know, a better report. But that didn't occur. So she came out, and, and it was all was well and good. And, uh, you know, I had a very sore armpit. And she, she, but they, they eventually are still, you know, talking about, Chemo, radiation, mastectomy, blah dee doo da Okay, so, um, but no matter how convincing they were, I was the more convinced by Daddy God. He really impressed me the most. You have to get to that place where God is impressing you more. And it, it becomes joyous. Like, like Andrew was saying this morning, you can always have joy. I got to where it was funny. A lot of times, I would be deeply rejoicing and their words began to sound like the enemy plan even though they were so nice I began to see that oh man I'd like to just relax and go with them but uh uh-uh I could not have discerned this in the hospital or surgery center they always had the upper hand to influence our conversations but I did wait on the Lord and I'm so glad I did and Jesus one night when I was in my house, I remember exactly where I was, and I heard the Lord say, you mean you're going to believe me? Like a little kid playing in the yard. You mean you're going to come out and play? And I knew God was very happy about this. I had scratched out all this little stuff, and God was very, very happy. So it made the heart of God very glad. And so I was strong when I was talking with the king and weakened, trying to be patient and godly toward the docs, toward the doctors. Um, the recommendations included, their recommendations included the removal of body parts, followed by poisoning and burning. Um, so when she says this, after months, and this is after I'm already healed, I, I break down in her office. I mean, she so stunned me. I, I, I was just completely like, I never weep. I wept. I was like 20 Kleenexes in. But anyway, after when I left there and I'm driving home, I just hollered out. By the time I even got to the little stoplight outside of the center, I just said, you have to have healed me. Yeah. I'm a whomsoever. Yeah. That's just it. I have to be healed. You have to have done it. You couldn't have left me out. What kind of savior is it? What, on sale? What kind of savior doesn't back you up because you're just not on the radar screen for some reason? What kind of blood of the son of God is it if he left you out? 
Is that a perfect God? No. Is it a perfect God that um, a perfect blood, a perfect sacrifice, if it only lasts for a while and then cancer comes back? What kind of savior is that? So you have to decide what kind of savior you got. What kind of blood did you have sacrificed? How much are you making of that blood? And that's how I, it got me just vicious about it. You know, that there's no way that the son of God, the only son of God. Oh, I'm up there, dear Lord. Um, the only son of God, look this way, is, you know, sent by the father God. And, and, and you just think about who God might really, really be if you try to wrap your brain around it. And he sends them into this situation. I mean, you just rehearse the whole story. There's no way. And, and I'll check out old people. What kind of savior would let you grow old and then allow you to have sickness and maiming when you don't have the same strength to fight it all? Maybe make it, you know, so that you have a, a, a how about a nice stroke? That's a way to die, you know, a nice stroke. There you go. So now you have an old person who's already needing a little help in life, a little extra support here and there, just because you're older and you're not fast as you used to be. But now, you know, what kind of savior? So why are we thinking we should be sick and then die? Oh, because we're 80? Because we're 90? That's not a very good savior. I don't consider that perfect. Do you? So that got me really, ah, in this nice, really secure place. Nice, good, firm place. That that's not a good enough savior. God is not a wimp in some department, in some little part. I had to get that little lie out of there. Clear that out of there. And make sure that I really, really, so that's why Jesus was like, you mean you really believe me? But see, it takes some work because what's on the TV every night? What's, you know, constantly coming into your little tuner? It's like putting all kind of junk in your computer and then thinking it's going to work right. Computers are like our brains. You have to keep that nice and clean in there, right? And watch it. You've got to put guards. And whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. So anyway, I'm whomsoever. That, that makes me very glad. Whomsoever. You know what scripture I'm referring to, right? Uh, whomsoever has to only do two, two things. To whom? Two things. One is believe. I can do that. People say, oh, that was so hard, though, Lynn. I'll tell you when they said it was hard. I'll wait that. And then two is say. That's so easy that you could run right by it. Believe in your heart that he not only, Psalm 103 tells us, Suffered and died for your sins. He was wounded for your transgressions. But what's the other benefit say? He healed all our possible diseases that could ever come our way. Healed them. That's flat out. And like Brother uh, Precious Andrew says, that's Old Covenant talk. It's even better than that. Put it in the New Covenant dialogue. It's even better than that. So you can actually stay in a place of divine health. You can keep taking divine medicine. It's like, you know, keep feeding on this all the time. And you're going to find out that you're stronger than you think. And so now, I mean, usually I get a couple sinus infections a year. It's just the nature of, you know, you can, you can always make an excuse for a couple of things. Oh, it's because of the pollen. It's because of the dust. I live in an old house. Oh, it's because I'm around so many people that are sick. Oh, it's because I taught in the public school. Oh, it's because my husband had it. You're, all you're doing is make an excuse for the devil. Oh, my back hurts because I lifted so many things over the weekend. I moved my friend and I overdid it. Well, that may be a fact, but it isn't the truth. Don't make an excuse for it. Tell your body, oh, body, I'm sorry. And you know what? Just be well now. It's going to be okay. Back, you're okay. You're all right. You talk to your body nice. Don't be so mean to your body. And so I began to tell my, my, my upper body here, you're well. All, you're going to be fine. Armpit, you're all healed. We're, we're going to be good. We're good through this. You hear that? You're all better. Everything's okay. And Jesus, Jesus, he was the perfect sacrifice. He is the Savior. 
He is the perfect sacrifice. He didn't leave anyone out. And you qualify, body. You're, you belong to me. I got you. And I'm a whomsoever. And that's all we need to be. So praise God. Um, I need a big podium like, like Gloria. So here's the thing. It became he, I realized, well, let me just say this. Um, it, it's the same old plan of the devil. And especially with, with women. I, when I, when I uh, was diagnosed, one of the things that was a huge eye-opener was that when I went into the um, offices, I mean, these rooms are packed with beautiful women. And you'd think that you're going to be around a few people. Is everyone, all kinds of people are in there. And a lot of them very healthy. They've been on, they eat lentils. You know, they're very healthy. And they exercise or they ride horses or they play tennis. So you're not going to outsmart this by trying to read all the books on, you know, Real Simple or whatever magazine and and outsmart cancer. They try to make you think that, but it's about Jesus. It's what you make, what you make of the blood of Jesus. And then, just the other half of it, is what you make of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to bring out, first of all, is that the enemy has his same old plan, right? And we know it's steal, kill, destroy. That's uh, all he knows how to do. And it's, but it's on special, I noticed. This is on special for women. Because this breast cancer thing is off the charts. It is completely frightening. And a lot of things are. Autism, you know, one out of four, autism. Ah, and anyway, so the, the, you have to stop fear and you have to make sure that you're having faith in God. So the crux of the matter is um, he became the curse. This is one of the things you can say. You have to believe in your heart and say something. You can say, he, my savior, became the curse. Cancer is on the list for the curse. If you don't know what the list is, it's really scary. It's in Deuteronomy. It goes on forever. And, and then it says, whatever's not listed there, you, you know, and you might have, well, you know, that, that's, that's all still part of it. So you, it could be a hangnail. Put it on the curse, you know. It can be a sore back. It can be a sinus infection. It can be that you've got a little blindness coming in one eye. You just keep putting it back under the blood. Keep putting it into that place of, you know, I don't have to have this. And speak well to your body. Keep speaking to your body. All the parts. So... That's what I uh, aimed at. Cancer is of the curse. Jesus took the curse in perfect way. Not one single thing did he leave out. Oop, I forgot that piece. No. And therefore, I do not have cancer. Body. Amen. And that promise is guaranteed. Now, there's a cool scripture we've got to look at, but uh, this is what blessed me, and this is what I wrote to my doctor eventually. And I said, I cannot, and I cannot, I do not, but I cannot have cancer. Then uh, the rest of the key is following the verse um, in, in Galatians. This is in Galatians 3, by the way. All of Galatians 3 is absolutely so helpful. And Galatians 3, 13, 14, right in there. We are so blessed and we just, if it was all the time on TV, we would all be thinking, oh, it's obvious, you know. But it's not all the time on TV. But back in Jesus' day, were most of them healed? All. Why? Because they all, it was all the news. It was all the news. You know, who can't believe when you see people come back and, you know, the guy that, uh, whatever, you know, just so many tremendous healings. Anybody, any age, any situation, every single one was healed. So not only did he take care of every little or big deal imaginable, he guaranteed it. So this is what was cool to me because my good doctor said to me, Linda, and I mean, she's so sweet and compassionate. I can't tell you how nice she is. She's nicer than you people, even nicer. I mean, that's really nice. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, she would say, Linda, you know, if you don't do this and let us at least take the lump out, you know, at least... Chop off one, you know, breast. That'd be good. And, and chemo and radiation, for sure. You have the high-grade cancer cells. Um, then your, your chances of surviving cancer are only 50%. And she said, 
with the um, chemo, something like, I'm just making it up now, but it's approximately like this, it goes down to 30%. You know, you're, you're far better off because you only have a 30% chance of it returning. That's supposed to be good news. And, and I got a savior with a guarantee all the while, but she doesn't know. And, and then she said, if you do the radiation with it, it goes down to only uh, something like, I'll just make it up. I'm not sure because I didn't remember for sure, but I'll say 20. You know, your, your chances are so far better. This is the standard of care. And she says, none of our people die of cancer, Linda. They, might, they die of other things. <laughs> like leukemia, maybe, you know. Like an autoimmune disease because you blasted the tar out of their system, you know. So anyway... Whatever. So, but meantime, I knew that the Bible says about the guarantees. See, we don't think, well, are you sure? Because all the, you think of people that died and you're thinking of stuff that's in your head. So, but wait a minute. That's all in there because that's what you listen to. But if you start really listening to the Savior, the story of the Savior and his healing, it's guaranteed. It just depends on how much you're going to make of it. It really does. You have to make a lot of this. And you have to get rid of high-grade lies. And I'm saying, you know, some people can. And this is one of the ways to get healed. is to show up at healing school. People pray for you. And you're hearing the word. And kabam, you're healed. I'm saying in my particular case, I got healed as a covenant believer. I got healed because the covenant is ratified in the blood of my perfect Savior. Okay? Ratified is a big-time legal term. 100% guaranteed. And it's in the blood of my Savior. And then God intervenes, it says in Hebrews, with an oath. Like this still wasn't good enough for the blood to be ratified by the Savior. Just to make sure he's double-crossed, you know, and fortified this, he comes in and makes an oath. It'll never not work for you. This This is between me and the Son. It's not between you anymore. You don't have to measure up. It's not about how good you did it or anything. It's not about us. We are free partakers. So all my work, was it about me trying to get healed? Do you get that? It's not me trying to get healed all that work. Five months are going by now. It's about me getting my head full of the right information. And getting myself thoroughly convinced. I read in Brother Hagen's little mini books, which is what, really what I was constantly walking around with, you know, doing whatever, watering the plant, you know. Uh, but, uh, but that he would do that all the time. He was not convinced. And he would just keep studying a word until he got convinced. That's a great way to put it. Don't just, you know, don't give it a little, little uh, whitewashing. Make sure you really put it down in there. And, and it's, it's a believer's job. So somebody said to me, and I'll tell you this part. Then somebody said to me, I was telling all this because I was completely delivered. I'm going to tell you the good news here in a second. Um, in, the, in this span of time. And I told my good, my, one of my good friends that was interceding for me um, how, I, how I went through this. She goes, Woof. She goes, that's a lot of work. Because one of the things I did was the Lord woke me up every night at 4. At 4. Didn't matter when I went to bed. At 4. I got up and I went downstairs and I sat in the chair and the Lord and I did business. Now, I'm sorry, but that is not a hard thing to do. It sounds hard for, oh, that's too hard. Beats the heck out of chemo and radiation. And having your body parts removed. So anyway, what kind of answer is that? Think of that. For women, no less, you know. Your whole life, think of how the enemy's doing. He's trying to take your identity and really just mess you up. And then say, well, you're a cancer survivor. Thanks for nothing. I think I'd rather go on to glory, really. But anyway, healing is cool because then you give God a big, giant testimony. And so... um, um, where do I want to dive in here? Mm, yeah, I'll just start here. Not only did he take care of every little or big deal imaginable, he guaranteed it by sending the Holy Spirit, who is the essential figure to connect us to the promise and the blessing of Abraham. So here's the deal. 
Isn't this true? If Jesus, he did this, Jesus bore away all of our sicknesses, infirmities, diseases, and pain, forgave us of all our transgressions, iniquities, shame, and sin, and was chastised for our peace, died and rose from the grave, ascended, went on to the Father, and paid, handed the Father the full atonement, his blood, paid for it all, and presents it to the throne of heaven, sits down. But if he hadn't sent the Holy Spirit, I want you to see how important now, you have to make much of the blood, you have to make much of this. If he hadn't sent the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we still be like the Jews? Because you would still be stuck in logos, logos, logos. You'd be studying away the word, but there wouldn't be the revelation you need. So the Holy Spirit is the deal. He's the deal. He gives you the secrets. Tell her yes, tell her no. You don't have to. You can go, you know, say this, say that. Go here, go there, whatever. He might have you take some vitamins. He might have you go through a surgery. I'm not saying never do surgery, but do follow your peace and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can't have peace because you're just lying on the couch. I don't mean that kind of peace. It's peace because of the promise that you are, you know, it's more important to you than food. Yeah, you have to keep, keep getting it. Anyway, where was I? Okay, so that's really big to me. Um, so the entire package was taken care of. Every single thing. That's why I love that Jesus said, you know, that he had to send the Holy Spirit. So we would know. And that without any doubt, because he writes it on our hearts and inscribes it in our born-again spirit. Um, if you've been working the whole old system ever so faithfully, you know, trying to do it, trying, 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 come get refreshed and let the Holy Spirit abide in you. You have to talk to him. You have to live in him. You have to sing to him. You, you want to joy in him and follow hard after him. This is why Andrew Womack is who he is. It's just that he does that. And that's why Kenneth Hagin was who he was. He was no different than, you know, the littlest child in this room or me or you. It's just that he did that. So that's a good price to pay. That's, that's, if that's a price. You know, not one day when I got up at four in the morning, and I was usually out at an hour, and then I get to go back to bed a little while, and then I get at my normal time, 7 or 7.30 is the latest I was ever getting up. Not one time was I ever tired. In fact, those days... All through there, I became stronger and more invigorated in my body. Most definitely. Most definitely. So he gives it back to you. He will never, never fail you, Hebrews says. And so that's in, Hebrew, that's in Hebrews 13. And then I'm going to finish my testimony, I promise. I'll tell you how exactly what happened. But I, if you want to look at it, or I'll read it to you in the Amplified, because it's ever so... <laughs> it's, it repeats so much, you have to get God. That is something so consoling to tell your body, to tell your soul, and to remind yourself of. It says here in Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your character and moral disposition be free from the love of money, which is interesting, and so forth, and be satisfied with your present circumstances. And then he says, I will not in any way fail you. We usually say, I, you know, I will never leave you or forsake you is how it reads in the Amplified, I mean in the King James. But I will not in any way fail you or give you up or leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you, let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged. Ah. And confidently and boldly say, well, don't read that scripture until you really got that one in. So because then you should be pretty calmed and pretty chilled. You know, you're not really relying on doctor's information. That's a part. You know, you can listen. But listen what the Holy Spirit's saying. And he will not forget and relax his hold on you or leave you or forsake you. Okay. So it says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? All right, so that's that little lovely piece right there. So the end of my testimony uh, and this medical part of it is um, that um, 
I have to go in again, and they really want to take out the lump. And they're just really obsessing about the lump itself. And the Lord said to me, it's not necessary. But I went in for another uh, view. They do this thing, you know, they put you in through the... uh, uh, Oh, gosh, I can't think of the terms right now. But anyhow, they go in and with a nice sonogram kind of thing, nothing nothing that has uh, radiation to it. They take another look. And so you have to go through all the thing for that once again, and it requires them um, using some sharp tools. But other than that, not too bad. And um, so I'm lying on this thing, you know, in my glory. And um, I'm waiting for them to come back for, for, with the report. And this uh, um, lady that I really do love her. But that day she was dressed in black. And she was dressed in lacy black. And it was kind of this a little bit villainous looking. And she had her hair like this. And <laughs> she's standing over me. I'm lying there. With basically nothing on, you know, how they get you. Really, you feel so, you know, mighty. And, and so she's standing over me and she says, and she's had taken a thorough look and they take a really long time. They talk to the other radiologist and the other radiologist before they ever come back. Cause, and so then she comes in and she's not a tiny bit smiling. She looks like she's out of a movie where the, the bad German person is a lady, you know. And... Um, so she's standing over me and she says it disintegrated so I'm still being kind of like and inside I've got this but anyway so I said disintegrated that's a good word. I like that word. And she was like, hmm? So she said, do you want to see? And I said, yeah. So she shows me this picture here on the screen. And you see this kind of crater thing. She says, it's bloodless. It's, uh, it's, it's powerless. It's because the blood supply is dried up. Doesn't, can't be fed anymore. So I said, Good. <laughs> But I was hoping she would be a little cheery, you know. And so nothing really comes of that. And I'm still doing all this because I want them to give me a good report so I have it on my record. So anyway, so that was, that was where the, the final breakout happened. You know, they never gave me that good report. They, in all that process, I finally realized I had to sign off with these people. I had to say, okay, I'm convinced I'm healed. I don't know what you are convinced of, but apparently not much, except for a lot of fear. That's their job, to be afraid, because they have statistics, and you're a part of their statistics, and so because of the statistics, even after that wonderful moment, and I skipped the whole way home, didn't need my car or anything, but I, uh, then she, you know, they still wanted to do a double mastectomy at one point. So I had to write in and say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. So, but anyway, the, the little leftover of the disintegrated lump was taken out. They were really, really, you know, uh, whatever is it, fixated, I think is the word, um, <laughs> on, on doing something about it. So I let them take that out. And again, it just proved that it was lifeless, dead, bloodless. You know, that everybody knows that means it's over, it's done. And I know that there is no cancer, never was really, but there isn't any in my body. But I eventually had to write a letter to my doctors, and I want, to hear, I want you to hear what I wrote. I sent a modified version of this at my pastor's request since I b- b- bounced it off of her. And by then, she was totally afraid of me. She was like, just let her run by. We're standing here in the shadows. There she goes. Because they were all like, no, no, you should go to the doctor and do what they say. You have good doctors. Do what they say. And at one point, she actually was so afraid. She said to me, Linda, I do not want to be preaching your funeral. That wasn't exactly the word of help I needed. But I had to be very understanding. And I still do understand why she would feel like that. So I'm just saying these are pieces of information for you. So I wrote, and there's a lot in this. Inheriting the promise, which is mine as a believer, on the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Death upon a cross for all my sin. Stripes on his back with 49 lashes by a Roman whip for my healing. Torture to his mind for my peace and resurrection from the dead 
for the perfect atonement, capital letters perfect, depends solely on and is the outcome of my faith. That is simple belief without doubt. Faith is simple belief without doubt and equals a word called assurance. I gave her a scripture. If you want to write it down, Romans 4. All of Romans 4 is awesome, but in particular 16 to 21. Just down through that 16 to the end. I'm not supposed to be a preacher. But anyway, you read it. I do not wish to go the way of statistics and people. So again, I was told by the, whatever the one is, oncologist, I guess, that, you know, you really do need to do the whole nine yards of, I mean, vicious chemo. They wanted to do vicious chemo. The kind that's high level, I mean, the real, real deal chemo. Not, not, there are various forms of chemo. And I, I, it was all in statistics. And the Lord had already told me, in your case, what this was about. So why would I do that, you know? You could be bullied into it, though. So don't be bullied. I do not wish to go the way of statistics and people studies as you have prescribed. I have a guarantee, capital letters, with the promise of God. I am at ease and quite familiar with his word to me, both written in the Bible and heard by his presence within my heart. So I'm putting it in phrases. I think if they read carefully, and these are smart people, they really, really read. So they don't like, eh, or whatever. So I knew they would read all this and maybe, maybe see where I was coming from. And this is after now six months. I have followed, I have to follow God as he leads me. I have a clear assurance that he has healed me of all cancer. Cancer is listed under the curse in the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 explains its horrors for many verses. It is forged in condemnation and guilt. That's how the, that's how the curse works. Condemnation. That's where a lot of high-grade lies hang out for women. Condemnation. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. There's something about you that just isn't that special. Whatever. And so you deserve this because that's why so many women have breast cancer. Oh, yes, we are guilty, all right, I put. But, B-U-T, capital. But God sent his only begotten son to clear all that mess up. It was a big mess. We couldn't clear it up. Jesus came in the disguise of sinful flesh to set up an opportunity. If anyone would recognize and believe with their hearts, he was and is the promised Savior Messiah and confess him as the Savior of their lives, there is zero chance, not 20, not 30, not 50, not 10, not even a 1% chance. At one point, my, when my really good doctor offered me a 1% chance. She was going down to 1%. That was, that was like supposed to be tempting. I was like, why? When I, went, I went out of the room and I said to, out loud in the hall, why would I risk 1%? You know the devil hates you. He would definitely use that 1%. Yes. Then I'd be down the lane, way out of the place where I could get a hold of my faith because I had let them run their course and I didn't run my course. I hope that made sense because it's really cool to me. There is zero chance of being left out of God's plan or ashamed for trusting in him. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Long before the cancer diagnosis, I chose his way and asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. He is the only hope we have. And she admitted to me, she goes, you know, Linda, we, we can't heal. You know, God does that. But he gave doctors. That's what they always say, right? Watch that lie. He gave doctors uh, so that, you know, we have a better chance. And then if you still don't make it, it was obviously God's will for you to not make it. You know, come on now. That's, that's a person that doesn't go to church and thinks they know God. And then they're going to tell me, I know God. I told her back. So anyhow, he came from God and became the curse. Everything rightly deserved for my sin and failures, he paid in full and, and, a lot of people don't know this, and paid for healing in the same process. That stripes on the back part, he didn't have to do that. He could have just gone on the cross and paid for our sins. But he didn't want us sick. I think there's lots of good reasons for that, but he never explained why. He just didn't want us sick. How can we get the gospel? How can we do what we're supposed to do when you're sick? You're not. You're going to do it. 
he paid in full and paid for healing in the same process. I received that perfect healing last summer. I know I do not have cancer, four exclamation points. I never will have cancer, three exclamation points. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I guess. I can say boldly that God is pleased with me, loves me. I want you to say that. Say, God is pleased with me. He loves me. And definitely calls me his own. I have therefore confidence in his finished work and completed work completed on my behalf. Why would I lay that down for guesswork based on statistics offered in the medical literature? I got a Bible. Your book isn't as good as mine. The system of today's medicine is is certainly doing good. But its best intentions cannot compare with the plan of healing I have discovered. I don't even want to risk a 1% chance, which I knew she knew what I meant. Since God provided the sacrifice for all my sin and diseases, my health and healing is guaranteed. Matthew 8, 16 to 17, Isaiah 53, 4 through 12. If you want a little reference for yourselves. So after that, I I ministered to them as my doctors. I'd mention their names if you ever come to a realization of the frailties of medical science. Especially since it does not usually factor in the creator God. I would be glad to tell you more about what I personally found of his mercy, love, and kindness. As you last said to me, I now say to you. They were always telling me, but Linda, you're so young. In other words, you could still live, but now you're going to have to die. Okay, but I said, you are so young. I hope you will choose the high road of truth, which you deserve. That truth came to earth as a person. And although he's back in heaven now, he still comes into the hearts and lives of whoever calls on his name for help. He is the person whose name is above anything or anyone. If you ask him, He will teach you to trust and rely on God the Father. He will teach you how to do it. That's called showing you his salvation. Who will never forsake you. I went over to my Hebrews thing. I could have said the whole amplified version, but I said he will never forsake you. No, never. So it was Christmas, so I wished him Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. So if I still have one more minute, I'm just going to quick read you one more thing, which I, uh, this is my, uh, what I want you to take right down if you want to. Don't yield to men's doctrines. Things like, you should do this, Linda. You should do this, Connie, whatever your name is. Bill, Fred. You should do this. They did so. I had people calling me. Here's what so-and-so did about their cancer. And, they, and she, she spoke to that chemo. And she said, you will do me no harm. You will do me no harm. And so she got chemo. Well, I thought, well, maybe that's what the Lord told her to do. But that same girl from two years ago, we've now buried. And she did all the chemo. We've now buried her. And so, but that doesn't work. That isn't what God said for me to do. Don't yield to men's doctrines. People in your church I'm talking about. I know you wouldn't probably yield to something, you know, in the movies. But you might get confused in your church. If there is a word void in you, you will automatically fall into, the, into faith in doctors. So you definitely want to build up the word. It's just automatic. You, you're going to have faith in something. So you want to have faith in the word. Pay attention to the witness of your true seat of faith. Motivation by guilt equals dead works. Okay, so don't get motivated by guilt. Watch out for guilt and condemnation. Uh, Don't let anyone put you under condemnation, not even your pastor. I'm saying that for people around the country, I guess, because sometimes we have our hardest little high-grade lies that came to us in Places where people mean well, but they don't have it right. 
And they, they're afraid. They're afraid. They don't want to have to have a bad report come out of their church. Oh, they didn't do their chemo and everybody's dying down that church. You know, that's what they're sometimes worried about. But you just do, you, you know, do what your heart's saying to do. Follow your peace and, and follow, the, you know, with the word of God in there, follow peace and follow the Holy Spirit again. So you might like to take the easy route, it seems like the easier route, and please people. But it's a worse price. It's better not to please people. Even though they're your kids or your mom or someone saying, oh, don't, ah, they're getting all upset with you. Um, correction is very holy and profitable and clean, even joyous. Let the Lord correct you. That's not a hard thing. Let the Lord show you where you've been lying uh, to yourself. Sometimes the lies are against you. Sometimes they're against God. But that's kind of the cancer deal. Um, and then there's this part of, the, of staying free. Do what new thing you were avoiding, but knew God was requiring of you. Be very careful how you believe, pray, and talk, uh, because that's where the high-grade lies are still working. Sometimes you just have to really be careful how you speak for a while. And finally, um, you know, the difficulties are enough in your effort to rout unbelief. That's, that's work in itself. But that's a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. Remember that I felt very, very weak and the devil was really backing me up. You are weak. So it was as if I was poorly swimming in an upstream rapid. But I felt no choice uh, otherwise uh, to, to, you know, to fight this. But thank God for tools. So you have you know, what I had plus you have Andrew Womack. You use some tools. I had to get the Copelands, and I, I got so close to the screen, I was like, oh. <laughs> you know. I mean, I really drew hard on that. I really took that in. I really took in Brother Higgins. I sat under the man. I sat under Earl Roberts. I really, you know, trust them. I know that I can listen to that word. And I'm, I'm telling you, you, you can tell that those words on those pages are so pure because they're straight out of the book. They just line up perfectly. And to my delight, my efforts were rewarded after a few days. You know, like I said earlier, I felt so weak, but after a few days, I was ahead of the current, I put here, of unbelief. I just, you know, all of a sudden, you're like swimming for free. Woo! Yeah! I got out of that heavy current, you know? I thought it was going to take me right down to the bottom of the drink. I, that was so much fear and unbelief. <laughs> but I spoke the word, spoke the word. You feel like, eh, eh. All of a sudden, you're, you're out of there. Okay. So, you know, you have to keep, that's the form of buffeting we do. That is the, that's how we buffet our body to find the secrets of life. They're hidden for you. They're there. And so that's how I found my way through there. And that's how I'm going forward. I, I, in, my, in my next time I come, I'm going to tell you about I'm, some, some other place or whatever. But I want to tell the answer to cancer um, is, is to do with what we just said. And then... And then um, how did I put this here? I'll just finish this out right here. Uh, the cure for cancer. Part two. But it has to do with you getting back to your callings. Getting back to your vision. Don't buy into anything. You have to have a vision or you perish. That's not a good word. So we're not going to do any perishing here. We're going to do living. And you're going to take on new things. Just like I'm doing standing here in front of you. Amen. Amen.